So uh, turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 26 tonight. As you're turning, I have to reminisce for a minute. One of my favorite memories of Brother Remy. Uh, I've known Brother Remy for about, well, we went to prison together years ago. But no, we met at uh, Camp Joy about uh, 15 years ago, 16 years ago, 17, something like that. And uh, one year at Camp Joy, Brother Remy used to be the cook. And uh, he's a phenomenal cook. His favorite food is mushy peas and some other things. But he, uh, he was making pancakes for breakfast for everybody at, at Camp Joy. And uh, he made these little teeny, you remember that? These little teeny tiny pancakes. And Pastor Price came up and Remy gave him one plate with a little teeny pancake. And then Pastor Isaac Buchert came and he gave him just little teeny pancake. All the preachers came. They all got a little teeny pancake. And then I came in. And he had made me a pancake about that big. And he had, I think, on a baking sheet. And he brought it out and set it down in front of me. And all the pastors hated me. But uh, I appreciate Brother Remy being here. Take your Bibles there to Acts chapter 26, verses 13 through 29. We've been looking at great soul winners of the Bible. I didn't notice last week. Some of you may have noticed. Brother uh, Colton told me as I came down afterwards last Sunday night, he said, Pastor, he said, did you notice you're wearing the same exact outfit that you had on the man in the slide? Uh, last week, I guess I looked like that, but uh, tonight I'm a little different. But uh, looking at great soul winners of the Bible, tonight we're going to start looking at Paul, and we're probably going to look for a couple of weeks at Paul. Uh, I think probably all of us would agree that uh, one of the key players in getting the gospel around the world in the early church was the Apostle Paul. Uh, Paul was a missionary. Paul was an emissary sent to other places to carry the gospel. He was a soul winner. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about Paul, and the aspect we're going to look at is being a faithful and an effective witness. Being a faithful and an effective witness. Look at Acts 26, verse number 13 with me. At midday, O king, I saw in the way a light from heaven. Above the brightness of the sun, shining round about me, and them which journeyed with me. And when we were all fallen to the earth, I heard a voice speaking unto me, and saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And I said, Who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. But rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose. Make thee a minister and a witness both of these things which thou hast seen and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom now I send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. Whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision, but showed first unto them of Damascus, and at Jerusalem, and throughout all the coast of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do works meet for repentance. For these causes the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spoke for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Pull thou beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus. But speak forth the words of truth and soberness, for the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. And Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. In verse 29, And Paul said, I would to God, 
that not only thou, but also all that hear me this day were both almost and altogether such as I am, except these bonds. Let's pray together. Lord, as we examine again another soul winner in the Bible, Lord, as we look at the faithful, effective witness of the Apostle Paul, Lord, I pray that we would be faithful. God, help us to be consistent. Lord, I pray that we would not only be faithful, but Lord, that we would be effective. Lord, we desire your help. Lord, we need your help if we're to be effective in reaching souls with the cause of the gospel. Lord, I pray you'd work in hearts. Lord, help us as we endeavor to tell people about you as Paul did. Lord, would you use the message tonight, use your word powerfully to help us to realize the impact you want us to have. Lord, we ask for your help. God, I need your help tonight. Bless us in your precious name we pray. Amen. Every Christian, every Christian is to be an effective soul winner. We are to be effective. An effective witness. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall be witnesses unto me. The apostle Paul was a good and effective and a faithful witness. Christian, our goal ought to be tonight to be effective and faithful to our Lord Jesus Christ. We see him presented here as his testimony as he speaks to King Agrippa in Acts 26. He shares his testimony. He shares what God did for him. And he proclaims to King Agrippa and all those gathered around that they need to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. We see about Paul and about anyone who would be a faithful and effective witness. Christian, can I tell you the first key? If you're going to be faithful and you're going to be effective, you have to, number one, you have to speak. You have to speak. Uh, a faithful and effective witness speaks. I remember when Hannah uh, first started learning how to run the sound system. She was up with uh, Darren. And I remember Darren saying to me, I think I heard Hannah speak her first word tonight. Uh, how many of you know Hannah used to be pretty quiet? I say used to be. Some, how many of you thought Hannah was a mute? You thought Hannah couldn't speak? That's what I thought. Jeff's still not sure she's not a mute. And I never heard her speak. You know, there's a lot of the world that thinks a lot of us as Christians never speak. Oh, they hear us speak about the hockey game. Uh, they hear us speak about the weather. <laughs> they hear us speak about politics. But do they ever hear us speak about the Lord Jesus Christ? If we're to be a faithful and effective witness, we have to speak. Paul is standing here before King Agrippa. It would have been very easy for him to keep his mouth shut. It had been very easy for him to say, I, I'm not going to say anything. Just as easy as it is for us when we don't speak for Christ. But Paul spoke. Verse 23 through 25, uh, we see there that he spoke. Uh, he spoke about Christ. He spoke for Christ. The most compelling testimony is that of a consistent Christian. The testimony must be expressed with the lips. We ought to be faithful. We ought to be consistent in our walk. But we also need to speak for the Lord. We need to speak up for the Lord. We're not going to be effective unless we speak for Him. Uh, we're not going to be faithful if we do not speak. Uh, by the way, we're, we're all excellent talkers about what we want to talk about. Excellent talkers. But then when it comes to speaking for the Lord... We don't say a word. I remember as a young teenager. I remember when I was in grade 7. I remember I was standing beside a friend of mine, and there was a conversation going on. And in my mind, I thought, you know what? I need to share Christ with my buddy Adrian. And as soon as that thought hit my mind, I went from talking to shh. I didn't say a word. I just quit talking. It took about six years before I finally realize I have to go and find Adrian. I've got to share the gospel with him. I've got to go talk to him because I clammed up when I should have spoken. 
Christian, if we're going to be a faithful witness, if we're going to be effective, we have to speak for the Lord. In the Old Testament, the, the high priest had that garment that he wore, and around the bottom of the garment there were a pomegranate and a bell, and a pomegranate and a bell. The pomegranate was beautifully carved. It was a beautiful, intricate carving. Every alternating place around the hem of the garment of the high priest. Alternating was the bell that when the high priest moved, it made a noise. There was that visible representation as well as the sound that went together. And Christian, we need to have a faithful testimony and we need to have the words that go with it and we speak for Christ. Paul was willing to stand and be effective in the fact that he spoke. He spoke. Christian, are we speaking for Christ? What did Moses say? Moses said, Lord, I, I, I can't do that. I'm not a good speaker. I can't speak well. I challenge you. He argued with God. God said, okay, I'll let Aaron be for you for a mouth, and I'll speak to you, and you give to Aaron, and Aaron can speak. I challenge you. You look in the rest of the Bible, and you find me a place where Aaron spoke for Moses. I haven't found it. Now, maybe it happened, but the Bible never, there's no record of Moses talking to Aaron and say, Aaron, go talk to the people. You know what we find? Moses speaking to the people. Now, God said, I'll give you Aaron to speak for you. Moses had no problem speaking. Moses used it as a crutch, as a reason why. But Christian, we need, number one, we need to speak if we're to be faithful and effective. Number two, a faithful and effective witness speaks to all. To all. So often we want to limit, okay, I, I can talk to that person. I, I might be able to speak to this subset of society. I might be able to, to speak here, but God wants us to speak to all. The Bible says, for you shall be witnesses unto me both. It lists all the places that we're to carry the gospel. Paul was willing to speak to all. Verse 22 of our text in Acts 26 says, Having therefore obtained help of God. I continue into this day, notice what it says, Paul's testimony, witnessing both the small and great, saying none of the things in those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Now, Paul's standing before King. He said, King, I speak to the small and to the great. I'm telling you the same thing I'd tell uh, the person begging on the street. Everybody. I'm telling the same message. Christian, we have to speak to everybody. Oswald J. Smith. How many of you know that name? Those that don't know that name, I educate you just for a moment. Dr. Oswald J. Smith was the pastor of the Great People's Baptist Church in Toronto for many years. Oswald J. Smith was a great pioneer statesman for missions. Uh, I believe, humanly speaking, in the country of Canada, Probably not one living person has done as much for the cause of missions around the world as Oswald J. Smith. One of my prized possessions, I have a little book. I've got several books Brother Smith wrote. But I've got a little book he wrote called The, the Country I Love Best. And I got it in a used bookstore and in the front fly, fly leaf of that book. It says, as a Christmas gift from the author of the book, Signed by him. It was given by him to somebody as a gift. And I managed to buy it at a Christian bookstore, a used bookstore. But Oswald J. Smith was a man who understood the need of the world. One of his famous sayings that he said often, over and over again, as he promoted missions around the world, why should anybody hear twice before everybody hears once? I praise God for someone who gave the gospel to my family and came again and came again and came again, and I praise God for that. But can I tell you, there are many people who have never heard. Brother Smith was right. There's much of the world that has never once heard the gospel. Why? Because we, oh, I'll speak to this person. I'll speak to that person. One thing I loved when I read the report from the Colton this morning, early this morning, about the services there in the Netherlands, now, in the Netherlands, most of you know it's mainly Dutch people, right? 
But I love the fact that in that church, one of the camp's services this morning, he listed the people from several different countries and several different walks of life and several different cultures that came together. Why? Because Brother Camps, Pastor Camps, is speaking to everybody about the gospel. And by the way, we ought to be speaking to all. No matter where we are, we ought to be speaking to all folks about the gospel. Uh, we see that picture. We see him in the synagogue in Acts chapter 13, speaking to the Jews. We see him at the riverside in Acts chapter 16 as he preached the gospel. We see Paul in prison in Acts 16, 25 through 32, speaking to the prisoners, preaching in prison. We see him in the marketplace in Acts chapter 17. We see him going from house to house in Acts chapter 20. He's in a home in Acts 28. He's in the palace. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 to 13. Everyone Paul met was somebody that Paul could talk to about the gospel. Christian, if we're to be an effective and a faithful witness, we have to speak to all. We have to realize that every person is somebody who is going to spend eternity somewhere forever. And we've got to be willing to, by all means, save some. That we might, by any means, save some. Number three, if we're to be an effective and a faithful witness, number three, and a faithful and effective witness goes on doing the job despite setbacks, despite discouragements, and despite calamities. Now, we know the story. Wednesday nights, we just got through talking about the conversion of Paul. Paul got saved. Miraculous. Paul shared his testimony there in this passage, a little of what happened. And Paul began to serve the Lord. He began to follow Christ. And can I tell you what didn't happen? It wasn't an easy journey. <laughs> he didn't go, oh, this is so smooth and wonderful and everybody wants to hear the gospel and everybody wants to listen and everybody's happy to see me. That's not the testimony of Paul. The testimony of Paul was he followed Christ and even the believers, the brethren, were skeptical of him. And then he went to preach and when he would go somewhere to preach, most of the time what happened was He'd go to the temple first go to the, and, and, and preach to the Jews and they'd reject him. He'd go out in the street and start preaching and then he'd get beaten. Then he'd get thrown in prison. Sometimes they'd stone him. Sometimes they'd whip him. He'd spend a night or two or three in a jail cell and then they'd let him go. He'd go to another city and that city would beat him, stone him, whip him, put him in jail everywhere he went. Now, I think about after the second city, Brother Mike, I'd have been, maybe this isn't for me. Uh, maybe, I, maybe this isn't what I ought to do. I mean, nobody wants me. Nobody's listening. But he was faithful. The setbacks came. Discouragement came. Calamities came. Shipwreck. And yet Paul was faithful. Christian, what does it take to stop you? What does it take to stop you for witnessing for Christ? Oh, I don't know. I, I, Pastor, I was giving out a gospel track, and then I gave a gospel track to this guy, and he cussed at me. Well, did he stone you and whip you and put you in jail? <laughs> no, but he, he, he said bad words about me, and I, I, I love that guy. It's amazing how often the little things, just the little things that stop us, just the little things. But if we're going to be faithful and effective, we've got to just keep going. We've got to keep being faithful. We've got to keep speaking to all. If we're going to have the kind of effect that we need to have for the gospel, we've got to just keep going. In verse 22, the Bible says, Having therefore obtained help of God. Notice the phrase here. I continue to this day. He said, King, a lot of people tried to stop me. King, there's been a lot of heartache, a lot of problems, a lot of difficulties. Maybe you've heard some of the story. I can tell you about the prison accommodations in every town. But I'm still going. I'm still going. 
I prayed for Brother Arbo this morning. I get a message from him often. He messaged me this morning before the service. And he told me he was praying for me. And he asked me to pray for him. He was preaching today for Brother Turner. And I saw just a few moments ago a, a snapshot of him standing behind the pulpit preaching. And their church theme for the year is continue. And his wife said in the Facebook post that she put up, of course, Brother Arbo, I don't even think he knows how to turn on a smartphone, but uh, the Facebook post she put up with a picture, she said, what an appropriate theme for my husband to preach. A man who just continues, goes in hospital and still comes and preaches, had knee surgeries and keeps going. Christian, how about you? Are we continuing? Are we staying faithful? Do we let trials, persecutions, opposition, setback, threats stop us? I know we live in a world today where we rarely have to face death threats. We rarely get that kind of issue. But I've gone to preach. I remember very vividly going to preach a funeral, and as I got on the property, I was met by a dear man who loved me, who's in heaven now, with tears running down his face as he was shaking and heaving with, with tears. He said, Pastor, you, you got to go. You can't preach today. you got to leave. You can't be here. I said, what's wrong, Heifer? He said, Preacher, they're going to kill you. He said, if you, if you go in there, if you preach, he said, you're, you're, you're a dead man. They're going to kill you. Now, I, I don't know exactly what was planned, but I know that Everett believed very much that if I went in that place and preached, I was going to die. Brother Jim, you were there. I don't know what happened, but I know that I didn't die. I looked at Everett, and I said, Everett, I said, I'm going to go preach. I said, I'm going to let God be in charge of whether I die or not. But I know this. If Paul had a death threat, he, he didn't stop going to the city. He went. Why? Because he had to keep being faithful. Christian, we've got to be faithful no matter the setback. We must have a, a purpose. We must have an unflinching objective to stay faithful and true. Uh, two great dangers. Two great dangers that every servant of Christ faces. Especially anyone that rises in any area of prominence responsibility two, two issues one is conceit the other is discouragement either we get lifted up or we push ourselves down we, we doubt the Lord we get discouraged or we think more highly of ourselves than we ought but Paul stayed faithful he stayed effective he, he just kept going when the difficulties came by the way, after he was stoned and left for dead at Lystra, and I believe literally died and God might have raised him from the dead, he didn't say, well, I'll tell you, maybe I should take a break. Maybe I should go somewhere else. He kept going. He stayed faithful. Number four, a faithful, a faithful and effective witness is unflinchingly loyal to the word of God. Look at verse 22. Notice I didn't say loyal to a man or loyal to an institution. Loyal to the word of God. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue to this day witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. Can I tell you what Paul was saying here? He said, I've been faithful to this book. He, he said, King Agrippa, he said, I challenge you. You look in the prophets, that's the Old Testament. He said, you open it, you read it, and you take what I've said and weigh it and find out if I didn't stay true to it. He said, I'm saying the same things that God's Word said. He said, I'm faithful to the Word of God. Christian, we've got to be faithful to the Word of God, not our preferences, not our feelings, not our culture. We have to be faithful to the Word of God. And we see that Paul, Paul was in many different cultures. But I love the fact that Paul could take his faithfulness to the Word of God no matter what culture he was in. And he preached Christ. 
Paul went at Mars Hill. A totally different group of people than he preached to uh, in Ephesus. A totally different group of people than he preached to in Colossae. A different group of people than he worshipped with in Antioch and in Jerusalem. And he stood at Mars Hill and he said, I can tell you're very religious. Paul was preaching to the religious crowd. And he said, I notice you've got all these, all these things, the different gods. He said, I want to help you. He said, you've got one to the unknown God. He said, you want to know who it is? Let me tell you who the unknown God is. He is Jehovah. And let me tell you about the Savior, the Messiah who came and died for you. And Paul met them where they were and he preached the gospel of Jesus Christ across their culture. Why? Because he was faithful to the word of God. Christian, we've got to stay faithful to this book. If we're going to be effective, the answer is not changing. The answer is staying consistent. The answer is not becoming something else. The answer is being faithful to the Word of God. God's Word fully inspired. The Holy Spirit, the author, not the men that God gave to pen them. God's revealed Word. Sadly, there are many that have lost faith in the Bible. Yeah, I know what the Bible says. But... Maybe you've never said it out loud, but I bet you've thought it in your heart. I know what it says, but I, maybe it's just a little outdated. Maybe we could change a few things. I was talking to a dear brother last week, going through some difficult days. and has some folks that are wanting him to change Wanted him to take what the Bible says and said, nah, let's just change. It's, you know, it's 2024 after all. Christian, we need to make sure we don't change. We need to be completely, unflinchingly loyal to the Word of God. I've seen the bumper sticker. You've all seen it before that says, God said it. I believe it. And that settles it. Now, I'm not mad at you if you have that bumper sticker. But can I, can I encourage you, if you have that bumper sticker, take a little knife, cut out the middle part and remove it because it's not needed. God said it, and that settles it whether you believe it or not. I, I don't have to give my stamp of approval. Okay, God, I believe it, now it's settled. No, God said it, it's settled. God said it whether I like it or not, it's settled. God said it whether I want to accept it or not, it's settled. He doesn't need your approval. By the way, it's not up for a vote. It's not up for debate. The word of God is settled forever in heaven. And Paul was faithful to the word of God. He preached faithful to the word of God. Paul preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. What was the gospel? That Christ should suffer and rise, proclaim. We see that in verse 23. Paul preached the virgin birth. He preached the virtuous life. He preached the vicarious death. He preached the victorious resurrection. Paul preached the visible return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was faithful to the word of God. Christian, if you're going to be an effective and a faithful witness, you better stay close to this book. You better stay right in this book. Don't get away from it. Don't veer away from it. I've shared the illustration before, but I've asked, talked to my mom before. My mom will say, hey, I, I made this recipe, and it didn't quite turn out the way it was supposed to turn out. She'll get mad at me later. She'll listen to this message. And I'll say, well, did you follow the recipe? Yeah. I followed it exactly. And then maybe 30 seconds after saying I followed it exactly, she'll say, well, I didn't use this because I didn't have it, so I used that. Well, I followed it exactly, except I, I did this. I didn't do that. And there's a reason it didn't turn out the right way. You didn't follow the recipe exactly. Christian, we better follow the recipe. Right, amen. We better stick with that book. Not with man's idea. Not with some new doctrine or new philosophy or new idea. Just stick with the book. Number five, a faithful and effective witness has to have a working knowledge of the Bible. I'm not going to do this tonight, but I wonder if on Sunday morning, this morning, 
when I preached, if I'd have got up and I would have announced my text, and I would have said, okay, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Hezekiah chapter 3. I wonder how many people would have got their Bibles. And then they would have gone to the front. Okay, where's Hezekiah? I've got to find Hezekiah. Some of you are wondering right now, there is no book of Hezekiah. Uh, you'll find Hezekiah in the Bible, but you won't find the book of Hezekiah. Now, many of us, it's, Pastor, I, I haven't read the whole Bible yet. Maybe I just got saved or I'm a new Christian. But there are many people who have been saved a long time who don't have a familiarity with the Word of God. You ask them to turn to somewhere that's in the Old Testament, and you see them back here by Revelation. You know, try, or the concord, they're in the concordance trying to find out where it's at. But I believe we need to have a working knowledge of the Bible. In our Speaking of Brother Remy and uh, uh, Camp Joy, we have at Camp Joy and different children's ministries, we have what we call sword drills. How many of you know what a sword drill is? You ever been a part of a sword drill? And we'll have the... Have the kids hold their Bible up. I think we got they got to hold it by this side of the Bible, and they got to hold it up. And we announce a verse. Okay, uh, turn to First Kings chapter three, verse seven. Go. And then when they say go, they, whoever finds it first. I'm afraid if we did that on Sunday morning, some of you'd still be here Sunday night trying to find it. Some of the kids, they'd find it. But we need a familiarity with the Word of God. We need to know this book. We need, to, we need to know it. We need to be close to it. Paul had a working knowledge of the Bible. Verse 22 and 23. Let's turn back there. Acts chapter 26. Having therefore obtained help, verse 22, of God, I continue this day witnessing both small and great, saying, None other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. That Christ should suffer, that he should first be the first, should raise from the dead, and should shine light into the people and to the Gentiles. Paul said, I, I know what the Bible says. I'm preaching the Bible. I, I'm preaching the Old Testament counsel of God, that what God said he was going to do, it's happened. And I'm here to tell you that God is fulfilling his word before your eyes today, that the word of God is true. Somebody asks you tomorrow at work, you're on lunch break, you're sitting there having a lunch break. Maybe as you're having a lunch break, you, man, maybe, uh, maybe you brought your Bible. Well, that'd be a, a wonderful thing to do on your lunch break. Open your Bible up, and if you have your Bible open, the guy across the table from you at the lunchroom says, Hey, hey, I, you know, I, the Bible says something about us being sinners. Could you show me where the Bible says that we're all sinners? I'm afraid most of us would probably have to, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'll, give me a minute. I'll find it. Pastor, where's the verse that says, or you go to Google uh, or phone a preacher. Uh, I'll try AI. Maybe AI will help me. But we need to know the Bible. We need to be able to use the Bible to be effective, to be effective in a witness for Christ. An effective witness needs to be able to take the Bible and to use it. Number six, quickly. A faithful and effective witness makes much of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 23, this is Paul's testimony before King Agrippa. It was all about Christ. It was nothing about Paul. It was nothing about any of the local churches that Paul had been a part of. Paul had been in more local churches than any person alive in the world that day. Nobody had been a part of as many local churches and church plants as Paul. Paul knew a lot of preachers. He had trained men that were preaching and serving, but Paul didn't speak about them. He didn't speak about the church. He spoke about Jesus Christ. Christian, we need to make much of Jesus Christ. It's not about a pastor. It's not about a church. It's not about, it's about Jesus. It's not about me and it's not about you. It's about him. And if we're going to be effective, we need to lift up Jesus Christ. We need to lift him up. By the way, Jesus said, 
If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. That's Jesus speaking. My job is not to draw men to Jesus Christ. I can't do that. The Holy Spirit does that. I, I, can, I can go into the highways and hedges and say, hey, come on in. I can compel them. The Bible tells me to compel. But I can't convince. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I can't draw them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I can compel. I can tell the truth. But what I can do is I can lift up Jesus Christ. And I can preach Christ because Jesus said, If I be lifted up, I will draw them into myself. If I'm going to be an effective witness, I've got to make much of Jesus. I've got to lift them up. Oh, yes, I, I, I need to compel them. I need to say, hey, come on in. The supper's ready. But we need to lift up Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul made much of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 19 and verse 17, the Bible says, And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. When Paul was preaching in Ephesus, I want you to listen to this, And fear fell on them all. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. It wasn't the name of Paul. It was the name of the Lord Jesus. I'm afraid, Christian, we've gotten away from lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. Making much of Jesus. Number seven, lastly tonight. A faithful and an effective witness is one that's received the Lord's help. Received the Lord's help. In Acts 22, Acts 26, verse 22, Paul said, Having therefore obtained help of God, I've got a dear friend, his name is Jeremy, my best friend in Bible college. I, I talked to him this week, first time in a while. We had a discussion this week on the phone. We were talking about how we could be a help to our friend Steve, whose wife was very sick. And less than, less than 12 hours later, she went to heaven. But Jeremy, my dear friend, had a car when we were in college together, he had a cartoon car. You ever, how many of you ever drawn a cartoon picture of a car? You know, it's like a box with wheels. All the, all the guys here, you, Bernard still draws those. Uh, you know, you, you're not an artist. I can tell by the way he's smiling. You know, you draw the cartoon picture of the car. It's like a, a long rectangle with the, well, he had one of those. It was the Reliant K car. And they were like the most generic, boxy car in the world. They, if you see a cartoon picture of a car, that's what he had. He had a Reliant K. And we were supposed to leave on a Sunday night after church. He in his car and a couple guys in his car and me in my car and a few guys in my car. And we were going to drive following each other from uh, Indiana all the way to West Virginia. We're going to drive through the night on a Sunday night. And we're going to surprise our families, and we're both from West Virginia. Uh, we're going to visit for a few days and drive back. And that afternoon, we realized that Jeremy's alternator was bad on his cartoon car, his Reliant K. And park stores were closed. This was Sunday night. Nothing was going to be open until about 9 o'clock Monday morning. And I'm a hillbilly. And I don't always have the best of ideas, but I had an idea. And I said to Jeremy, I think we can go ahead and drive seven and a half hours in your car without an alternator. Now, that's not a good idea. But here was my plan. I was driving a V8. I had a 1977 Ford Granada with a 302. Most of you are like, oh, man, he had a 5.0 engine. Yeah, with about 120 horsepower. It was gutless. Uh, but I had a V8 engine, I had a, a big alternator in that car, and I thought, here's what we're going to do. I had some jumper cables. I hooked the jumper cables from my battery to his battery, and we let it run, and we charged his battery as full as we could. We started his car while it was still connected to my car. 
took the battery cables off, closed both hoods. I had him drive down the highway. Uh, I had him drive behind me. I drove in front. I had my headlights on. He drove behind me, no lights on. He was getting close to me so he could follow my taillights. I told him, don't use the radio, don't use the heater, don't use anything, just drive. And I had a guy in the car with a flashlight watching the voltmeter, the ammeter gauge, Brother Jim. And I said, hey, when the ammeter, I showed him, when it gets down this low portion, almost red, I said, you take the flashlight and you flash it in my mirror and you let me know, hey, the battery's about dead. That's what we did. Some of you are wondering if we lived. I know it's a secret. I'll tell you later. But we went down the highway and we made it about almost 100 miles. Uh, so uh, almost 180 kilometers, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, I saw the little flashing light and we pulled over and we pulled the car side by side off the side of the highway. I took my jumper cables. We popped both hoods. We put the jumper cables to his battery. And we sat in the middle of the night waiting for the battery to charge. And we didn't wait too long because we're in a rush. We're one, we got a seven and a half hour trip. And we finally started his car back. We, we did that from Crown Point, Indiana, all the way to Mason County, West Virginia. Through the night, pulling over. A couple times, police cars pulled over. You guys okay? Oh, yeah, we're good. We didn't tell them what we're doing. They would have probably arrested us. And, but we made it. When we got to my parents' house, it was first. Jeremy called his dad. We didn't have cell phones. He called his dad on our phone. and He said, hey, Dad. He said, I'm at Brian's house. He said, we got the car here. He said, I, I need an alternator. My alternator's bad. We, it died before we left, but we made it. And his dad said, no, Brian didn't know what he's talking about. There's no way you drove all the way from Indiana here without an alternator. It's not possible. So he came. He checked it out. I was right and he was wrong. He said, how in the world did you guys make it all the way here without an alternator? You know how? The alternator on my Ford Granada. My alternator took care of my battery and his battery. I, I, was, I helped his car, my car helped his car make the trip. Christian, the only way that you and I will ever be effective in our witness for Christ is if we have his help. That's it. We don't have power of our own. The only power that can help us to win people to Christ and be the witness, effective witness and faithful witness we need to be is the Holy Spirit. Paul said here, I've been helped. I, I have the help of God. He said, I, I, I connected the Holy Spirit and God, although I've had trouble, God helped me make it through. Christian, too many of us are trying to make it by ourselves. We're trying to go it alone. And we get discouraged. And, and we, we fail and we just can't quite make it. And we go, God, I don't understand. What's the problem? We need his help. We need his help. We need to go to God and say, God, I've got to have your help. Amen. Paul said, being helped of God. Having therefore obtained help. Christian, you can obtain help from God. We can obtain help from God to be the kind of witnesses we ought to be. The greatest need of all who would effectively witness, we find. Would you look in Luke chapter 24 with me? The Gospel of Luke chapter 24, verse 49. This is the great need that we have. Luke 24, verse 49. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus said, I want you to go out. I want you to share the gospel. But first, first, wait. Wait. Wait for what? Until ye be endued with power from on high. 
Don't leave without the power. Don't go in your own power. How was Paul able to stay faithful? How was Paul able to go from town to town facing difficulties and trials and beatings and imprisonment and stoning and shipwreck, a night and the day in the deep? How did he go through all of that in, in chains and in prisons and, and watchings often, in nakedness often, in peril often, in hunger often? How did he go through all of that and say, but I'm still going? King, I'm still going. I'm still preaching. I'm still obeying my Savior because he obtained help from God. Years ago, as a teenager, I went to get a job. I worked with my father every summer from the time I was a young boy doing construction and building. And I decided my senior year of high school, that summer before, that I wanted to get a job and I wanted to work through my senior year. I had enough credits to graduate from high school. After grade 11, I only had to take a couple of classes. I only took two classes uh, in, in person. And one I, uh, I audited, I guess you'd call it, uh, for my senior year. So I left school at 10 o'clock every day. I was done my, in grade 12. And so I was looking for a job. I got a job cooking fish and french fries and hush puppies and shrimp at a place called Long John Silver's. And I was a, I was a cook. I, I worked in the restaurant. I did everything. And while I worked there, I, I worked from the time, from summer, the beginning of summer of 1992 until May of 1993 for one year. When I graduated from high school in May of 1993, I, I left that job and I went off to Bible college. Well, I, I'm sorry, I left in September. Uh, I worked all the way to August. and uh, I went off to Bible college in September of 93. And I got a job in a trucking company and went to college. And My sister is back home in West Virginia. She's two years younger than me. And that year she was a junior in high school and the next year, when she was a senior, she wanted to get a job. And she went looking for a job and applying, and nowhere she went wanted to hire her. She went to Long John Silver's. And she went there, and they talked to her and never hired her. I came back to visit family. It wasn't the same trip that we took the two cars, but it was may have been around that same time. I found out my sister had gone trying to get a job. might have been that same trip. So I went over to Long John Silver's. I walked in. My manager's name was Eddie. He said, Brian, man, I'm so glad to see you. He said, man, pick whatever you want. We'll eat whatever you want. Let's sit down and have lunch with me. So I sat down, and Eddie came around, the manager, and came sit with me, and we had a meal together. We sat and we ate. Before we ate, though, I said, Eddie, I said, before we eat, I said, you're going to do me a favor. I didn't say, I want you to do me a favor. I said, you're going to do me a favor. I said, my sister came in here looking for a job, and you didn't hire her. I said, tomorrow, I'm going to send her back in here. And I said, and when she comes in here, you're going to hire her. And he said, okay, absolutely. What's her name? He wrote it down. Next day, Robin went in. Amazingly, Robin got hired. And I told him, I said, look, you're going to hire my sister. I had a... I had a reputation there. I'd work there. They'd asked me to stay, and they wanted me to stay and be a general manager. I said, man, I've got to go. But I knew that if I went there and said, hey, you are going to hire my sister, I knew he was going to hire my sister. She got hired. Why? Not because of her, because of me. Christian, you and I can go forward. We can be effective as a witness, not because of us, but because of the Holy Spirit of God. And I mentioned the two dangers we have. Number one is to get conceited. Why do we get conceited? Because we think it's about us. We think we're the reason. We think we're the power. Or, number two, we get discouraged and say, oh, man, I just can't do it. And we forget the power of God. But Paul was a man who was faithful. He was effective because he had God's help. Christian, we need God's help. Your lost friend that you want to get the gospel to this week, 
you need God's help to witness to them. Amen. By the way, mom and dad, that family that God has given you to rear and nurture for the Lord and to lead them in the paths of righteousness, you need God's help to do that. We need the help of the Holy Spirit of God to speak for Him, to speak to others, to speak to all people, to stay faithful when difficult times come. We need God's help. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we, we confess tonight that we need you. We admit that we are failures without you. We confess tonight, Lord, that without your power, that we're just as dead as that battery in that old Reliant K car would have been without the alternator on my car. Lord, I pray tonight that we would connect the Holy Spirit of God. Lord, I pray that we would realize that we need your help, that we're ready to receive it. Lord, I pray this evening that we would want to be. Give us, number one, a desire to be effective and faithful witnesses. Lord, I pray that we would have a desire, Lord, to stay faithful. Lord, it may be that we've struggled speaking for you. Lord, maybe someone tonight needs to make a commitment to start speaking for Christ. Maybe there's somebody that they know they should have already given the gospel to and they have it and they need to tell them this week. God, help us to speak. And God, help us to speak to all people. God, help us not just look for certain people or certain, but God, help us to be looking at every person as somebody that needs to know the truth of the gospel. Help us to stay faithful. Lord, most of all tonight, I pray that we would understand we need you. Lord, we have to have your power. Lord, I can't lead a soul to Christ. I can't convict someone of their need of a Savior. All I can do is lift up you. All I can do is lift up Jesus and say, hey, come. God, I need you doing the work. I need your empowering of your Holy Spirit. I need the drawing of the Spirit. Lord, I need the supernatural work of God's Spirit in drawing and convicting and saving a soul. God, help us to be effective faithful witnesses. Lord, it may be tonight that someone here is discouraged. They've given up. They face some difficulties. They've got some struggles behind them. and They've been wounded. They've been discouraged. And they've sat down on the sidelines. They've quit. They've thrown in the towel. They've said, let somebody else do it. And Lord, we're always tempted to do that. Lord, help us to get back up off the sidelines. God, help us to get back in the fight. God, help us to be faithful. And Lord, I thank you that we can have help. We can obtain help from you. And Lord, we need it tonight. God, I pray you give us a touch of heaven this evening. God, would you work in our hearts. God, give us a great desire to be used by you. Lord, would you work now. Work in my heart. In your precious name we pray. Amen.